Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. The idea that a criminal defendant is innocent until proven guilty has been drilled into us for decades. The phrase appears in virtually every movie and TV show about the criminal justice system. However, this phrase is more than just a platitude or lip service to the rights of the accused. It has actual legal weight and can be vitally important for the outcome of a criminal trial. In US law at its heart, innocent until proven guilty is a recitation of which side has the burden of proof in a trial. The burden of proof is a legal term for determining which side has to prove his or her case is correct. Innocent until proven guilty means that the prosecution is the side that has to bear the burden of proof. The prosecution must put forward affirmative evidence that shows the court that the defendant is guilty in order to have the defendant convicted. The lack of evidence absolving the defendant of guilt is not enough. In the last week, I've been watching the impeachment trial of Donald Trump, and the idea of evidence has been very evident. But also, I recently posted a profile of Bruce Weber, and a few people on Twitter commented on my description of Weber as an icon of photography. Within the series of icon profiles we have been posting, written by the brilliant Pete Silverton, if you haven't checked those out, please do. Weber is someone who's had allegations made against him of sexual impropriety, but whom no legal case has been proved. David Allen Harvey has had similar allegations made about him, and investigations are ongoing. I don't know if these are criminal investigations or merely those by his agency, Magnum. These allegations without criminal conviction provide a problem and a minefield of sensitivities when discussing a photographer's work. Do we dismiss their work and contributions to photography because of their alleged actions? My moral sense is conflicted on this. I want to say yes, and yet until a court has come to a legal conclusion based on evidence of proof, is that fair to the photographer? I think this is a question that we should at least ask ourselves. A judge dismissed Buddy Kruger's suit against Weber last September because his recollection of the year that the alleged incidents occurred appeared to be murky. Kruger is a former Weber model. He alleged that Weber used his power in the male modelling industry to fraudulently entice and forcefully engage him into abusive commercial sex acts during two separate photo shoots. But Kruger wasn't able to get the date straight in the court documents. He appeared like he was trying to fit the incident in the statute of limitations, so the judge saw right through it, a source familiar with the case reported. Bruce and his team had records and evidence that contradicted Kruger's story each time he changed it, and the judge called Bruce's evidence indisputable. Now, I am neither judge nor jury. I'm only delivering the facts as I found them. There are five other men who have also accused Weber of sexual misconduct, so this story is not over for Weber. 
I'm also aware of an online blacklist of photographers who have been reported by models for their inappropriate and or abusive behaviour. Weber and David Allen Harvey are not alone in being accused. However, within photography, I'm only aware of a very few who have been convicted. In a digital world where, as we've seen this week with the impeachment of Donald Trump, proof of evidence of malpractice can be more easily captured and kept, perhaps this situation will change. Sadly, this does not help those with historical allegations. Somebody linked to the United Nations of Photography website the other day. And whenever anybody does link to one of the articles, I always try and check up just to make sure that that link is something that I want to allow. This particular link led me to a comment and the comment was this. I'll just add that there's a lot of difference sometimes between a beautiful landscape photo and a meaningful one. As a judge and tutor, I've never known anyone who wants to shoot meaningful ones rather than beautiful ones. This was said by someone who describes themselves as a wedding photographer. But I'm the opposite to that. I meet many people who want to take meaningful landscapes and photographs, of course. So as I say, I saw this comment on an online uh, forum and to me, the comment proved the point I was attempting to make in a recent article I'd written concerning the divide within photography that has resulted in two coexisting separate worlds that seem to have very little to do with each other. Anyway, if you want to find out a little bit more about that, check out that article about two worlds of photography on the website. I wonder which one you'll most identify with. This week, we welcome to the podcast to uh, tell us what photography means to her, Endia Beale, who's an African-American visual artist, curator and educator. She graduated from the University of North Carolina with a double bachelor's degree in art history and studio art, and as an undergraduate student, attended the Studio Art Centre International in Florence, Italy, focusing on classic art history of the High Renaissance period. In 2013, she completed a master's degree at Yale School of Fine Arts and Photography. During this time, she created her first body of work exploring the struggles of women of colour in the professional field, in the corporate space in particular. Since 2014, Beale has worked as the director of Diggs Gallery at Winston-Salem State University and is an associate professor of art at the university. Her work is featured in several online editorials, including NBC, The Huffington Post, Slate magazine and the National Geographic. Her work has been exhibited in several institutions, including the Charles H. Wright Museum in Detroit, Michigan, the Harvey B. Gantt Center for African American Art and Culture, based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Aperture Foundation of New York and the Samuel Dorsky Museum of Art at the State University of New York. Hi, my name is India Beale, and I am answering the question, what does photography mean to me? I actually consider myself an artist. I use the term photographer and artist interchangeably. 
During my undergraduate studies, a professor told me that photographers paint with light. And as someone like myself who had a background in painting, hearing the term painting with light just felt like an artist telling the untold stories of individuals and communities. And so for me, a camera is a tool that allows me to enter into new worlds. Diane Arbus said that the camera starts the conversation. It allows you to connect with others that are different from you. And so my camera does just that. It allows me to tell untold truths and reveal aspects of communities, specifically communities of color that need to be told, stories of individuals that need to be shared with the world. And so my camera is my tool. It allows me to paint with light, to show different aspects of our world and hopefully allow people to create some sense of empathy and understanding um, as humans, as individuals, as a world, as a collective. Thank you so much. Thank you, Endear, for your contribution this week. Always wonderful when that uh, the contributions are as quite as concise and short. Real sense of confidence there um, behind India's kind of motivations. It's also really interesting once again to hear storytelling being such a relevant aspect of a photographic practice. It is something which I spend a lot of time talking about, and it's something I spend a lot of time teaching. I've actually written a couple of articles. In fact, that seems to be a theme of this week's episode, once again, not deliberately, uh, focusing on some of the articles I've written. But I have written a number of articles about the issues that young photographers face when actually addressing storytelling, the building of a larger body of work and narrative. What I've noticed from that is that the, the biggest struggle for the young photographer in dealing with storytelling is not understanding story, whether or not that story within music, within poetry, and of course within film, within documentary, and within the written word, all forms of storytelling, alongside, of course, the, um, the spoken word. Those traditions of storytelling go way, way back, and therefore it's only natural that as a visual form of communication, photography should be based on such a foundation. I always say that for me, it's the difference between somebody who can take photographs and a photographer. The ability to take the individual image is in itself a talent, an ability. But the ability to actually extend that into narrative and to tell stories through visual language and through photographs, that's something else. If somebody asks me what my definition is of a professional photographer, I base that definition on two specific aspects. The ability to tell stories and consistency. Last week, slightly unusually I suppose, I focused on just one subject for the podcast and that subject was, was editorial photography. The idea of the, uh, the image, that's part of storytelling I suppose that accompanies texts in magazines primarily. 
And I spoke about the death of the magazine, the constriction of the editorial market, and I also briefly mentioned the arrival of digital photography in 2005 and the effect that that had on photographers and how it was led by publishers. Anyway, um, there was a comment on uh, Twitter in the last week. Somebody said this. Another good listen. Well, thank you. I would love to hear more on how 2005 affected us in editorial. It was a technological watershed that changed everything. Inevitably, as a photographer, I questioned if it was my failing as my editorial market diminished. What had I done wrong? Well, for a long time after 2005, I'm sure many of you got incredibly bored with the sort of discussion, argument, call it what you will, between analogue and digital. What was best? What was right? What was true photography? These uh, sort of discussions were held on forums and just about everywhere you could go to the point at which I felt it became incredibly negative and really wasn't taking us anywhere. The fact was that digital photography was with us. And many of you who were working and as analogue photographers, uh, what's that now, nearly 15, 16 years ago, will remember the, uh, the discussion about whether or not you should go digital. What I was describing last week was the decision that was made by the people who paid the uh, film and processing, who commissioned the photography, to say no more. There is now an alternative and we are going to move over to that alternative because it's going to be cheaper. It therefore wasn't the fault of the photographer. So don't fear, oh, have fear not the person who made that comment. It wasn't your fault. However, I do feel that a lot of photographers at that time really did stick their heads in the sand and hoped that this was just a fashion or a, a phase or a style that was soon going to pass and that the old days would be back again. Of course, that wasn't the case. But it's interesting that a similar kind of a discussion was going on just five years later, roughly 2009-2010, when we started to get that moving image functionality onto our cameras. Once again, I was speaking out, I was quite evangelical about moving image and got involved in all sorts of initiatives and situations promoting the idea of moving image and I'm carefully not saying filmmaking at this point or I'm definitely not saying video but moving image um the, the possibilities that could give photographers I spoke to a few photographers at that time who told me I didn't know what I was talking about Photography was for photographers and moving image or filmmaking was for filmmakers and never the two shall cross. However, I did speak to quite a few photographers who took it on board. And I now see those very same photographers creating some really interesting work, commissioned work for clients. And actually their practice now is more moving image based than stills based. So what has actually happened is that moving image has presented them with another source of income and another creative outlet. The work that comes from that has also introduced them to collaborations, to working with people and learning about things that they may never have known about. 
if they had only continued working as a still photographer. I suppose in a long way round, what I'm saying is that we as photographers should be open to these technological breakthroughs and these changes. I've spoken in previous weeks about Zoom portraits and how photographers are having during these times to create workarounds if they can't photograph the person or travel. I should say photograph the person in person. So, as photographers, we need to be open-minded. We can't close the doors to what might be. We can't keep hanging on to the past and hoping that the good old days will return. Other good days may return or other new days will come our way. But we can't cling to the past hoping that everything is going to be okay. Now, over the last couple of weeks, many of us have got family members and so forth who've finally received their vaccinations. Dates are being spoken about for the future when things might return to normal gradually. But as we've been speaking about, normal isn't going to be normal. And I hope that everybody who's listening to this podcast over the lockdown period has felt kind of a little bit inspired to try out some new things. As I've said previously, I've seen a number of new initiatives come up and that's really great to see. I'm just hoping that as photographers, we can really embrace all forms of visual communication and visual storytelling in the future. What I'm definitely seeing is a lot of photographers writing more and seeing the importance of writing. I'm also seeing photographers seeing the importance of speaking about their work and talking about their work with great eloquence. And that's good as well. It's getting a fraction warmer. It's definitely getting a little bit sunnier. And I hope you're all feeling a little bit more positive because there's no doubt that January has been a, a pretty down month. Well, let's hope that February and March continue to get better, that we continue to have good news and we continue to make images, to research ideas and feel really inspired to make the very best, best work that we can. But of course... The most important thing is to take care. Mm-hmm.